This is Alyssa. And I'm Mel. And this is the Arcane Games Podcast. The trauma-informed, liberation-oriented tarot podcast. Let's dive in. Hey, guys. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Arcane Dames podcast. Guess what we're talking about today? Guess what we're talking about today? Um, I think <laughs> we're going to talk about the Queen of Pentacles. Cheater, you already knew. Right. <laughs> I do have six representations of the Queen of Pentacles in front of me right now. Oh, uh, that's life for you. I only have two because for some reason... The court cards in all of my decks are super boring. Mm. No, they are. Like, we're just at my house. Oh, yeah. So I had all my decks. Yeah. <laughs> so I pulled them all. about them all. Right. No, that's so true. Right. But Queen of Pentacles, why did we choose this for this happy woo-woo season? Let's start there. I think that the Queen of Pentacles relates... To the major arcana of the magician Mm. pretty heavily. Mm. And when I was skimming through my favorite books in preparation for this episode, I found that Rachel Pollock in 78 Degrees of Wisdom has a quote where she says, where the magician manipulates the forces hidden in the world, the Queen of Pentacles joins herself to those forces, allowing them to flow through her into her daily life. Absolutely. So there is this heavy manifestation energy that comes with the Queen of Pentacles. And I think that we can certainly get into some comparing and contrasting with the magician energy. But she is first and foremost, like, phenomenal at, bringing things into material reality and at creating physical things. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, no, in all seriousness, I think this is a super interesting episode to talk about similarities across the tarot and kind of address people's frustrations with learning and trying to navigate that. Oh, because like what you just said, the difference between the magician and the queen of pentacles is a very small nuanced one. And for a lot of beginners, that's very confusing and frustrating. Mm -hmm. And I get it. But at the same time, that's why I think learning tarot through podcasts like ours, um, is more effective than, like, the flashcard memorization process. Right. Because if you're talking keywords, if you're talking concepts, you could put those same bullet points on many cards, I Mm -hmm. think. So it's about getting to know the player or the character represented in the card, as we often refer to it as. Or sometimes I'll say the figure when I'm, like, reading somebody and I'll I'll ask them to look at it and I'll ask them what they notice and how they embody it. Because then when you start to look at it through that lens, a queen and a magician are two very different people. Right. So um, that's my little quick spiel. But I also want to say the Queen of Pentacles, totally unrelated to the prior two episodes of this season thus far, really reminds me of the Nine of Pentacles. Like, I just feel like they're homies. Yeah, I totally see that. Yeah. I totally see that. They both have that, like, strong independence and that very, like, that, like, strong ability to nurture yourself. Yeah, like, I I feel the luxury. They both have the yellow skies in the background Mm -hmm. if we're talking Rider Waite. So, yeah, 
that's like more where my brain goes when I pull this card. And I, I like to lean into the fun, luxury part of it. And the, like you just said, nurturing yourself. But I think a fun twist is when that, you know, transcends nurturing yourself because you need it. And then it becomes like nurturing yourself extra in the ways that you want. Yeah. I love like the Queen of Pentacles representing that. But it definitely has some more solid or um, complex aspects. Absolutely. I mean, it's interesting because I do kind of see the Queen of Pentacles as having these two sides that exist at once and are very related. And one side is that more enjoying the finer things in life, indulging, experiencing luxury, experiencing pleasure, being and because she is so connected to the physical world, like that is so natural to her. But the other side of the Queen of Pentacles being very driven, motivated, hardworking, and very concerned with like providing those foundations not just for herself but for others in her life oh yeah so i think it's interesting that you like associate her so heavily with that one side because i almost jump to the other side of her first and then kind of see that indulgent side as like a secondary Mm. piece to the queen yeah and i will say a lot of my perceptions of tarot cards come from being on the ground talking to a variety of many different clients Mm -hmm. and and seeing how these cards present themselves in those situations and it just so happens that the queen of pentacles comes up a lot for me in like positive and excited readings that are about like accomplishments so i think that's naturally what I've had to embrace because of the context it comes up in mm-hmm. but if you have you know let's let's just say you're pulling three cards for someone for a vibe check and it's like the tower the ace of swords let's use last episode and then the queen of pentacles so yeah if you obviously got that spread of cards the queen of pentacles is going to allude to some serious hard work and Mm. you know maybe struggle even associated with that or you know feeling tired especially if it comes up in reversed too yeah i mean like i definitely tend to see the queen of pentacles as a very positive card but I associate her as someone who likes hard work and who, like, wants to wake up in the morning and clean the house and, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like the Queen of Pentacles is on her shit in a way that I've never been and can't really imagine being. I get that. And then at the same time, I'm like, everybody wants to do that sometimes, but it doesn't mean it doesn't feel insurmountable or overwhelming on most days. Like, I definitely have, like, Queen of Pentacles days where I'm like, hmm, wake up, vacuum, sweep. Mel, I think some people, the Queen of Pentacles is most of their days. Yeah, I literally couldn't imagine that. <laughs> like, I think um, those people are called earth signs. Mm-hmm. And they, like, have routines that they actually stick to Hmm. i know i i try i try every day to emulate that type of energy honestly i should have the queen of pentacles framed in here somewhere (laughs) because i really 
especially with all of my goals around like caring for my home and mm-hmm. like having a more clean space and having like more routines and everything. Like the queen of pentacles is what I've been trying to tap into and emulate. So really I should have her posted, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard for me. But the thing about the queen of pentacles is that it's not hard for her. Like there's so much ease inherent in the card, in my opinion. Um, I think that she just is this, manifestation comes easy to her it feels most natural to have those routines she is so caring for other people so nurturing for other people that's just and that just comes from her like deep connection to nature in the physical world that's crazy in my opinion i know it makes sense though yeah do you think because you said earth signs embodying that (laughs) my fiance is an earth sign and I don't necessarily know that she. I don't has know routines. that by earth signs I meant Virgos. You're like all others. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, truly, if we are like talking about the astrology of this card for a B, technically the Queen of Pentacles is associated with the sign of Capricorn. But it's so like. It's so earth. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it's also associated with the 10th house, which is social status and career. That makes sense. Which also makes sense for Capricorn, right? It's like this energy of being very driven, motivated, wanting to build things. And I do, I lived with a Capricorn once. And she was really big on routines. Hmm. Like, I was always impressed. She was the kind of person who would get high and clean. Oh, see, I love doing that. I have never once in my life done that. Weed makes me super productive in a way that, like, I've never really experienced before. No. Is that I, problematic to say? No. Why? Okay. No. I think, that, I think that that's, a lot of people probably feel that way. I'm not one of them. Mm-hmm. Because I'm so ungrounded that weed just puts me in the stratosphere. Like, if I'm going to clean, I need to be, like, so fucking grounded. I need to be way more grounded than I am at my, like, normal level. Mm. And weed does not ground me. Right. It launches me. Right. But I think a lot of people do relate to, what, like, why? Explain it to me. What What happens? Okay, you're high, you're feeling good, and then you want to clean. How does, how does that happen? Okay. So, first of all, I'd like to clarify that I am not sitting here smoking indica and then cleaning my house. Indica, indi couch. So, if you want to feel inspired and motivated, smoke a hybrid or smoke a sativa. Let's start there. I like hybrids. I smoke and it's that sweet spot after maybe three or four hits, me thinking about going home and doing this is so exciting. It's that sweet spot after three or four hits where I'm a little more than just high, but I'm not like going to sleep. Like you really have to get it right. This is not me facing a joint by myself. This is like three or four hits. Okay. And then it's inspiration. It's creativity. And if I don't have an inspiring or creative like project in front of me like a lot of times no cap I am writing the notes for this podcast when I'm high right because I'm just 
seeing things vividly. I also right now am smoking like 50% weed, 50% mugwort. So like that helps too. Mm -hmm. And it's very spiritual for me. So if I don't have notes I need to do or spirit or like a tarot spread I want to do for myself, the next exciting thing to me is cleaning and organizing because I'm like, I'm with, this is kind of hard to explain actually, I'm with my stuff and when I'm high and when I'm in that mindset, I get very excited about like my things, which is pentacles energy, right? That's like, yeah, that's your Taurus fucking rising. Yeah, and that's like your material possessions and like, I don't know, like to me, like cleaning is like enjoying that. Yeah. And like. I am so obsessed with being cozy and being home and, and being a little high and enjoying that. So I feel like cleaning is just a way to tap further into that. And like in that situation, it makes me feel more like me. Mm. Like the act of cleaning is how I get grounded. Not yeah. so much. I need to be grounded and then I can clean. Does yeah. that make sense? It No, it totally does. Like, I love I love the way that you described that. I like I said, I think a lot of people probably do relate to that and yeah. will relate to that. And I do see my relationship with cleaning growing in a similar direction in the sense that like I do find it to be a very grounding activity. I do find it to be something that helps me feel connected to my home and my space. And I feel like if I'm able to make this space somewhere that I enjoy being, then that makes me feel like just a million times better on every fucking level. Oh, yeah. But for me, that and weed would never, ever, ever, ever go together. All right. So let's put you in the same situation. You just took three or four hits. What, What are you doing? leaving (laughs) the planet Planet (laughs) yeah like it it depends it depends on like who i'm around if i'm alone Mm -hmm. and i just did that laying back in my bed staring at the ceiling (laughs) and like fucking hallucinating like not hallucinating But, like, vivid visualization. Like, the way yeah. that my brain is just moving from thing to thing to fucking thing, like, solving the world's problems. Yes. Oh my God. When I'm that high, I feel smarter than ever before because I make connections and I'm yeah. like, bro, the entire universe is saved. Like, yeah. And it does. Like, that's something, like, scientifically speaking, marijuana, like, makes connections in your neural pathways where there aren't connections. Yeah. Already. So it can. It can be this really mind-expanding thing and this really, like, eye-opening thing. But in my experience and for me, it also makes connections that are not real and that weren't present for a reason (laughs) right like it it had me at my worst connecting things that it did not make sense to connect Mm -hmm. going down paths of absolute like delusion Mm. so that's interesting it is really but when when i'm around people and i smoke in the past again like it's been years you know what i mean sure yeah but in the past it's much more like immediately hyper self aware of mm. 
myself and everyone else like straight paranoia. Yeah. That doesn't happen when I'm alone. But when I'm around other people, are they looking at me? What are they thinking about me? Like, am I being normal? Is this a normal way to sit? Mm. (laughs) Um, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Did what I just say make sense? Yeah. But, like, half the time it fucking doesn't. That's And that's something I think is really crazy is, like, you will say to me, I'm really high. Does that make sense? And I'm like, you're making perfect fucking sense. You are always <laughs> rising. You are always making perfect fucking sense. Thank like you. <laughs> when, like I'm like, if you didn't tell me you were high, I wouldn't have known. Really? You were so present and with it, or at least as present and with it as you are sober, which is like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> But like when the compliment about my high self is an insult to my sober self. No, but like like you'll be like, oh, I'm so forgetful because I'm high. And I'm like, Mel, you're always Please this forgetful. is the normal amount of forgetful for you. Well, you know what? Thank you for saying that. Because the next time somebody tells me stop smoking weed, I'm gonna say, No, I've always been like this. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, like I am actually not making any fucking sense. I am actually babbling and you can't follow what I'm saying. And I can't follow what you're saying. That's what's really difficult for me about being high too is that like people are talking to me and I cannot follow a fucking thought. We'll be right back after a quick break. Ever wondered about the stories behind those intriguing tattoos you see? You're curious but don't want to ask, right? Yoring Story Podcast is here to satisfy that curiosity. From full sleeves that tell a lifetime of tales, to elaborate back tattoos that unfold like a narrative, and even tiny, discreet designs with big meanings, Yoring Story unravels the mysteries behind the ink. Whether you're a tattoo enthusiast or just love a good tale, Yoring Story is the podcast for you. Don't miss out on the ink, the stories, and the art. Subscribe, listen, and get inspired with Yoring Story Podcast. Visit YoringStory.com to tune in. See, that genuinely, like, I get why you don't smoke, because that doesn't sound enjoyable. It's not. No, it's really not. And that's the thing is, like, there are pieces of it that did feel nice, like, how tingly, like, your body gets. That's always a nice. Does that not happen to you? I hate that. Really? So, actually, so I didn't start smoking weed till I was 22. I made it my whole, my sister, like, sorry if you're listening to this in my family, sorry. Like, my sister started smoking weed when she was 10 or 11. Yeah. Like, it was very normalized around me. I lived in a very stoner, hippie town. Shout out to New Paltz, New York. And, like, everyone did it except for me. And the one reason, like, that I really could never get over it is because as soon as I started feeling those body tingles, like... It just felt like the flu or like COVID to me. Like those tingles is like what I get when I'm in so much pain, I can't even lay in bed. And like, I would just associate it with sickness. Uh, And then one day I just like tried it enough that I smoked and I got past that. And now it doesn't happen. 
Wow. That is literally the only part of smoking weed that I would say I genuinely like is this. Because it made you feel in your body. Yeah. Well, but, and it's like, it made my body feel good. And I do think that most of the time, like, being in my body doesn't feel good. Right. Um, So you got to do that in a positive way. Yeah. And also weed orgasms. You've talked about this. Weed orgasms are on another level. I don't think, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I don't know that anything is ever going to compete with that damn and also just how easy it was to like orgasm oh i definitely come when i was when high. high yeah because the sensations are heightened mm-hmm. for sure for sure i guess like tell me more about what you think of the queen of pentacles reversed that is a tough one for me why i think that my initial instinct with the Queen of Pentacles reverse is kind of just like having a hard time tapping into that mm. Queen of Pence energy. Like mm-hmm. it's there, but you're not. You're not fully embodying it. You're having a hard time connecting with it, whatever. But I read a lot of different interpretations of the Queen of Pentacles reverse when That's I was preparing cool. for this episode and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And like so and sometimes that is what frustrates me about reversals, too, mm-hmm. is that I'm like, how can this one card mean eight different things? Yeah. How can there be eight different interpretations for one card? For sure. <laughs> but there was, I guess, this, like, common thread of insecurity mm. with the Queen of Pentacles reverse, which I do think makes a lot of sense because the Queen of Pentacles upright is so secure. Yeah. She's so confident, so grounded, so um sure of herself Mm -hmm. that in reverse it's like this insecurity this like lack of trust for yourself lack of trust for other people and something else that came up that i really resonated with for the queen of pentacles reverse was needing to be needed because i do see the queen of pentacles upright as this like benevolent like you're like you you're like the mom of the friend group or you're like an actual mom and you're Mm. taking care of everyone and always making sure that everyone has what they need and that's very queen of pentacles energy and usually with the queen of pentacles upright it's coming from this place of like overflow and just having everything that you need and being able to provide that for everyone else too and it's like really beautiful and wonderful but in reverse it's almost like feeling like you don't have that inherent value so you have to do all of those things oh yeah um so i i really enjoyed that interpretation as well that makes a lot of sense i think and yeah i mean like the example i was running with before i mean everyone knows how i am with reversals right now like if the queen of pentacles is coming out upright but it's accompanied by like the tower like i don't need it to be reversed to tell me that there's complex feelings there you know mm-hmm. i also think and this is not my original thought anna if you're listening pointed this out to me in one of our sessions which um what she said was like when court cards and major arcana cards come up reverse though she'll take it more seriously than like when a one to ten minor arcana card Mm -hmm. comes up and i was like you know what you're so real for that Mm -hmm. because when we're talking about the court it's it's normally like a very um like personalized or embodied feeling that you're experiencing or it's representing a person in your direct like inner circle yeah so For that to come up reversed, it's like, ooh, 
the image you have of this archetype of person in your life is struggling. Yeah. And it may be yourself, it may be your partner, it may be someone else close to you. And then same with major arcana. It's like, you know, obviously reversals there create significant space and difference versus some of these cards that are smaller details, you know, ace of swords, six of wands, whatever the fuck it may be. It's a lot easier to just tell what that small detail is based on the cards coming up around it. Mm. So that's how I feel. I think that that's really interesting. I do enjoy that. And I think that for me, like, something that's unique about the court cards when they come up in reverse is it almost always feels negative. Right. And I think that in the tarot in general, reversals don't have to be something negative. They can just, like, change your perception of the card, given the context. It could even be a more positive interpretation than the upright card. But when it's a court card in particular, it does kind of feel like either someone in your life who has like maybe bad intentions or is just like really like expressing an ugly side of themselves or you being in a place where you're leaning into like the worst parts of that archetype. Yeah. Kind of thing. Absolutely. Did you get the Queen of Pentacles at all in our October tarot challenge? Ooh, that's a fun question. Let me look. I'm pulling up mine too. Because I did, I'm pretty sure. And if I remember correctly, it was interesting. (laughs) That's so funny. My Queen of Pentacles was for day 28, an underutilized tool. Ooh, I like that for you. Yeah, because, okay, so what you just said earlier is sparking a new interpretation of that for me. So if the Queen of Pentacles at this point in my life is my underutilized tool, I think a big part of that is I immediately associate hard work with negativity and I have been through so much hard work that I didn't deserve and that I didn't feel was mine to give and to like exert that energy but I was forced to Mm. so now I'm like I don't want anything that requires hard work except for the fact that I finally have a dream and a vision and a career path I want to follow which is this yeah so I am ignoring the fact that I have found something where hard work feels not effortless, but certainly it comes easier to me and because like, it is finally natural. And I think that hard work can feel really good if it's in alignment. Right. Like if it's rewarding, if you're working right. towards a goal. If you like, actually get to experience the yeah. rewards associated with the hard yeah. work instead of having a boss steal it from you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that sparks another example in my mind. Let's say you're pulling the Queen of Pentacles and it's representing you in a reading. And then you're pulling another card to represent an obstacle and you get the fucking, like, King of Swords reversed. Maybe there is a boss or a romantic partner that's forcing you to do things a certain way with a false promise of the security you're looking for. Yeah. And you keep fighting for it because you just want the security and the stability, stability that the pentacles provide. Right. But they're just manipulating you. Yeah. 
I really love the Queen of Pentacles coming up as an underutilized tool for you because I think that it speaks not just to you having something in your life that you would want to work hard for, but also your inherent ability to do really good work. Mm. I think that be, I I don't think that the Queen of Pentacles comes up if that's not there. And I think as like an underutilized skill, it's the cards in the universe and your guides saying like you have this ability to really like direct your drive to really create what you want to have success to have all of that like stability and abundance that you want and you're shying away from it for some reason. So I, I do think that that's really interesting. Yeah. Alyssa always rants about how she thinks that I should stop trying to take traditional day jobs and should just pursue Mel of Wands fully. And I appreciate that. And I agree with you. It's just the simple fact that I can't afford to take that leap. Right. And Brit being a great support in all of this has said to me, you know, why don't you grind for a little while, create a savings account? Because I have, I don't have savings. Do you mm-hmm. have savings? No. Okay. I have debt. No, literally, I have debt. <laughs> Hustle a little bit so that you have like a thousand dollars saved, and then if you want to quit your job, then go full force and with tarot for a month. At least I know like my bills are paid. Yeah. Like whatever. Not a thousand exactly, but something where I know I would know I was safe and Mm -hmm. see if I can hack it. Yeah. Which I do think is really good advice because the truth is, yeah, I can't myself in a position where I won't know if I can fucking keep a roof over my head. Like I, I can't, I don't have family to fall back on. I don't have somewhere to go crash if things go wrong. I just got me. So I believe you and I agree with you. And I'm just, all my readings are coming to this point lately of frustration because that's no matter what fucking spread I try to do and what topic I try to focus on, that rears its ugly head. Mm -hmm. The fact that I need to be pursuing this creative work, the fact that I need to be doing it. And I only call it its ugly head because I fucking know that and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how. But I wonder... I mean, with the Queen of Pentacles coming up as an underutilized tool, I wonder if there's something in your approach where because you have this aversion to almost like structure sometimes. Absolutely. Like. I'm terrified of it. If you're not giving it the practical support Mm. that it needs yes in the sense of being like i'm gonna wake up at this time every single day i'm gonna spend this four hours doing this work every single day and treat it like a day job Mm. versus kind of being like okay well like i have the flexibility so when i have an appointment obviously i'll be there and you know, I need to like make these social media things or whatever. So I'll do it at night while I'm watching TV and smoking weed, which I like, I'm not trying to call you out, but I, I that is my perception of how you yeah. do your work, which I'm super like, I'm always like, damn, like, I'm so jealous that you like combine your leisure time with your work time because I can't do that. And like, 
whatever. But I do wonder if this like Queen of Pentacles is coming up as like your like basically like secret hidden talent that you're not tapping into of being able to set aside that structured time to plan and do the kind of more boring upfront work that feels that maybe you're a little bit hesitant of because of that constraining yeah. nature oh yeah of it oh yeah like i wonder if things would actually happen very quickly for you so if you did that i love you saying that and i love the value in you know you may chuckle at this, but let's call you a tarot educator for the moment because that's really what you are right now. I love the value of you coming in and supporting a reading that I did for myself with your knowledge of the cards and like your framework and your less biased third party. <laughs> Not unbiased, but less biased, th- like third party. Yeah. Um, differently biased. <laughs> differently biased. I, I, I think it's incredible because that. Like, you'll see. It's live. I have it on a story highlight for the Tarot Freak Show. That was one of the days I just posted the card as a picture and yeah, didn't type Yeah, no interpretation. I had a few of those. I was so stuck in my own head about it. Yeah. But what you just said resonates so fucking deeply. Good. And I was actually consider like, because... It may not be the Queen of Pentacles every time, but if I handed you my iPad right now to look at every reading I've done for the past three months since over the summer, same message. Yeah. And so I just very recently got to the point because, okay, I thought, you know what? This is a cool direction for the episode. I'm just declaring it now. I'm claiming it as an episode direction and not a tangent. The Queen of Pentacles, hard, consistent work. This is one of our episodes where we're talking about what goes on behind the scenes of a tarot professional. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting for people. So as someone who needs to tap into a lot of different creative outlets to make income, I thought that those messages that were coming through in my personal readings were about my Patreon, like about launching a Mel of Wands Patreon, Mm. because I was like, that's what I work hard at and I do so good for the podcast. Like my hidden skill is like... Why have I not done it for myself? And I was also going off of, you know, what you've said to me before, which is like your only route to success is not through the podcast. Like you can you've told me like and encouraged me that I can also be successful on my own. Yeah, because like not to take away success from the podcast, but I was seeing it in a self-limiting way. Yeah. Where like I'm nothing without the podcast. Right. So I was also you know, listening to that advice you had prior given to me. And I tried to launch my Patreon and it failed. Like I, I like, and I'm just being honest about it. Like yeah. I wasn't going to put work into it because no one cared. Right. And so I was like, well, that wasn't the answer because it was a waste of time. And then something clicked and I was like, I think my cards are trying to tell me to do TikTok because mm. the reality is If I set a routine and promised myself even just five simple minutes of TikTok filming per day, my audience would increase. Yes. Maybe not by a lot. Maybe I wouldn't go viral. Maybe I wouldn't even get a reading out of it right away, like a booking out of it right away. But it is a fact that if you post consistently on TikTok in the Lord's year 2023, you will eventually get, like, reap the rewards of that true and so when you're talking about implementing some kind of structure and holding myself to some kind of standard that's what i'm thinking of because 
Also to clarify, when I said I'm terrified of structure, I'm I love structure everywhere in my life except for work. <laughs> Retweet. <laughs> I'm terrified of structure when it comes to work. Mm. Full trigger warning. Skip 15 seconds ahead if you want to skip the fucking trigger. What makes me want to kill myself about having a job mm-hmm. is structure. Yeah. It's constraining. And with my laundry list of mental health diagnoses ranging from CPTSD to ADHD, to have to be somewhere at a certain time to do a specific action and knowing that that is going to last for extended hours Mm -hmm. and I'm not home for it Mm -hmm. triggered triggered I want to die I want to run away I want to escape I'd rather like get sick and be admitted to the hospital than be there like no I'm being so fucking honest like (laughs) I know so the thought of ever feeling that way about my independent work and my work I do for myself is horrifying and that's honestly why I haven't done it yet yeah and that's why I combine the stuff I make on social media and and whatnot with leisure. And that's why I, you know, you know, if you're one of my clients, like I'll hop on FaceTime with you in my pajamas Mm -hmm. like that. And that doesn't affect the work I do. I mean, except for positively because I feel more comfortable. Right. So if someone has shit to say about that being unprofessional or weird, that's on them. Right. And I don't really care about the judgment, but I think there is something to be said about forcing myself out of bed and to, put a little makeup on and to do a little TikTok. Yeah. I do. I I 100% agree. And I think that that's like, this is a very like similar, not, I wouldn't say the same, but I think parallel struggle that you and I really share in a lot of ways is like, I do not like feeling like I'm being told what to do by anyone. And that includes myself. <laughs> Correct. (laughs) I just have this little rebellious Aquarius spirit inside of me where the second I have to do something, fuck you, I'm not going to do that. Exactly. Oh, my God. And and this is where we talk about pathological demand avoidance. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely both have experiences with that. For sure. But I think that, like, what frustrates me so much about that like impulse that lives inside of me is that I were I'm you know so just like happy and lucky and grateful to the universe and myself for putting myself in a position where I have a job right now that I really like yeah and most of the work that I get to do on a daily basis I really like and I don't like getting up in the morning and I'm like I want to stay in bed and I want to stay in my jammies and I just Mm -hmm. and then I get to work and I sit at my desk and I start working and I'm so happy that I'm there and I'm so Mm. productive like I bang out so much work sitting at my desk and I feel really proud of the work that I do in that environment and that's something that frustrates me so much so consistently because if I could give that to my writing to projects that I want to accomplish in my own life I would be I think really successful I know but since I don't literally physically have to it's really hard for me to tell myself that I have to yeah for me that 
dilemma is about having the means to. Yeah. So also because I have to save whatever energy I have for the structure I'm forced to partake in at my day job. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm not going to implement structure into my independent business because I just had to do my shift at the day job. Right. So the second I'm escaped from that, I'm like, I'm saved. I have yeah. to run, like, I have to avoid this at all costs. Right. Like, but if I didn't, if I was in a position where I didn't need the day job, then it would feel good and would feel rewarding to save that energy and use it on myself. For me personally, something that I think, or at least this is a way that I've internally been framing things that makes sense to me, is that I don't trust myself right now if I were to have not have to have a day job at all. I do not trust myself to structure my own time. I think that if all of the structure were taken away, I would really be fucking floundering. I think that I'd have a really hard time deciding when to work and when to play. I think that everything would mush together. I would never put a bra on. <laughs> like, I think I would really struggle with that. And so I very much see this transition time of having a job that's a quote unquote real job that makes me happy it sure it does take time away from my ability to work on the podcast and write or whatever but it also provides a structure for me that I don't think I could provide for myself right now and I almost feel like sometimes the universe is like prove to me that you can structure 10 hours of your time every week and then maybe we'll talk about 20. That's very incredibly true for manifestation yeah. and for bringing anything you want into fruition, mm -hmm. especially when we're talking about witchcraft. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You want something so bad and you're so frustrated it's not coming to you, but have you made space for it? Mm -hmm. Where the fuck do you expect that to bloom? Yeah. Right. Like, I don't think – I think that I need to get to a place where – I'm writing consistently every week before I'm ready to, like, yeah, would I love to be a full-time writer? Yeah, in theory. Do I think I could do it right now? No. I think mm. I need practice mm. and grounding mm. <laughs> in order to get there. So that's, and that's, like, definitely a big part of where I at. And just, like, a parallel that I'm drawing for that prompt, the, uh, an underutilized skill I pulled the two of pentacles Aww. and it was, I very much just immediately was like, yeah, absolutely. Because I think that something that scares me the same way that structure scares you, something that scares me is having too much on my plate. Yeah. I'm very scared of overbooking myself. I'm scared of being busy. I'm scared of the exhaustion that comes with that. And I think that that comes from, I mean, all of high school, all of college, years and years and years of my life that I, from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m., was busy for every single day for years. Yep. And I burnt myself out so much when I was young. And I'm, very much timid when it comes to taking on projects, even if it's an opportunity I'm excited about. Like, I'm very much like, no, I need to rest. I need time to rest. I have that too. And I think I schedule too much time to rest yeah. because I'm scared of yeah. not having it. 
I schedule, I think, more than I need. Yeah. And that two of pentacles coming up is like, no, you you do have skills when it comes to balancing multiple things, when it comes to having multiple plates spinning at once. You can ebb and weave and flow in that and actually make that work really well. And I don't use it because I'm scared. Yeah. And I think that also speaks to being able to replace the plates that you are juggling, if I can frame it that way. Because, like, I think sometimes you'll say no to something you actually want to do to save energy for something you're not even excited about. And I think that you can be better at toggling that to give yourself more joy. Because, yes, if you're doing an action, it could be potentially exhausting. But... It will probably be way less exhausting if you're enjoying it and getting something out of it. Can I have an example? This is a very broad brush example, but like you spend a lot of time with your family. I know. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I do know that you actually like your family to some degree. So I could just be not understanding like what that's really like in a lot of ways. But I feel like sometimes you give them what you should be giving to yourself or like, let's call it your friends. Like, you know, I'm not saying that for my benefit or anything, but like, (laughs) like, yeah, like you might genuinely need like a cunty shoot the shit night with your friends, but then you're like, going to see your sister who you can't even have a friendly conversation with because she has kids and then it becomes about the kids and then you're busy with the kids and the dogs and the da 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 and then you're there until 12 o'clock at night. Like, I think you do that. (laughs) I, I definitely do. And it's something that I really struggle with because my family is really important to me and my relationships with them are really important to me. And I feel like, like, absolutely, I feel like, I should, quote unquote, should be putting energy into that, which is like, I know shoulds are not very useful. Yeah. Um, But there's also just a piece of like FOMO mm-hmm. and like not wanting to see those relationships fade mm-hmm. and strain, even though just like the nature of where I'm at in comparison to where my sisters are at is like, wildly different (laughs) i would like for those relationships to to stay strong but yeah i mean you're right like a lot of times the reality of it is that i'm putting in five hours for a 10 minute conversation with my sister yeah and it's yeah it's really tough it's really tough and that's that's like not an easy one but I think that something and that's like maybe just like a a me thing like an Alyssa thing is that I do have lots of different groups like yeah and on any given weekly basis like I would really like to spend time with all of my different groups like I would like to spend time with my family and my multiple different friend groups Mm -hmm. and that's just not practical for me mm-hmm. also having like downtime alone time time to clean time to put into myself mm-hmm. so that's a tough one mm-hmm. that's a tough one mm-hmm. and it, it it is yeah. yeah um 
And that's why the Queen of Pentacles is such a good goal, because it's not tough to her. I know. What is your secret? <laughs> What's her secret? What is her secret, girl? Like, because I feel like if I'm anything, I'm the Queen of Pentacles reverse, where I give too much to people because I think they won't like me if I don't. Like, if anything... That is the archetype I'm a lot closer to than the upright Queen of Pentacles. I feel that. (laughs) Do you feel like you're always overgiving in your relationships? Like, it depends on the relationship and it depends on the moment. But I think that if I feel good about a relationship, it's it's because of what I'm able to give to someone. Mm -hmm. And if I feel bad about a relationship, it's because I feel guilty about not being able to give them things, Mm -hmm. give them myself, give them X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely think I get trapped in feeling like relationships are about what I provide to another person and not just being able to exist. And also why can't they provide to you? Why can't it be about that? Because too? that's really selfish, Mel. Why would I ever expect anyone to provide anything to me? Actually. You kill me. <laughs> you deserve your King of Pentacles. Oh. You deserve your Knight of Pentacles. You deserve to have that handed to you on a silver platter. Yeah. You do. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I, I know. know. I think I have this, like, core belief about myself that I am, like, selfish and expect too much from people. Girl, what? I don't know. You're not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like. You're absolutely not selfish. Every time I'm in a relationship, I'm always like. Oh my god, I'm such a bitch for expecting that. Like, I don't know, I just spend all my time, like, thinking I don't deserve anything. It's really, like, who does that? Everybody tell Alyssa how much she deserves. Thanks, guys. (laughs) I'm just assuming that you nodded your head in agreement with Mel. (laughs) That's a toughie. But, like, the Queen of Pentacles, I guess she is good at receiving. (laughs) Mel raised her eyebrows at me. I didn't mean head, Mel. (laughs) Now I'm rolling my eyes. (laughs) Disappointment. But as an archetype, like, you don't see her as somebody that necessarily gets things from other people. Right. It's much more just, like, she inherently has enough. Like, it's like she's just overflowing. But I want to be overflowing. I know. But that can come from people providing you what you provide to them. Like, she's nurturing, so like attracts like, and then she gets nurtured in return. And that's what makes her in the position she's in. I don't like letting people do things for me. It makes me feel like I owe them. And not true. It was true with my parents. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh... <laughs>
If you enjoy the Arcane Games podcast and want to support us, consider becoming a patron. With tier options ranging from $1 to $20 a month, there is something for everyone. We offer ad-free episodes, bonus content, a bustling Discord community, live events, and even discounts on private readings with Mel and Alyssa. Your support truly makes this podcast possible. Check out patreon.com slash arcane games. Thank you. If you're anything like Alyssa and I, you may be enjoying 1989 Taylor's version. And one of the lyrics on one of the vault tracks is an interesting topic of conversation relating to the Queen of Pentacles. And it's, remind myself, the more I gave, you'd want me less. What is that? Why, why, why do we show up as this Queen of Pentacles for other people and they're turned off by it? Why? Well, that's... A very interesting question, Mal. Because that's a question that keeps me up at night, okay? I think that sometimes people feel like if you're willing to invest in them, that means that you're not actually, like, worth as much as they thought that you were. I think that sometimes people think that a person is only valuable to have in their life if they have to chase them if they if the other person is so much better than them that they're not giving you anything and so when someone comes and is kind and generous and invested in you i think for a lot of people that can read as oh, that person is desperate. Wow. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I had never even, like, thought of it like that because, like... Because it's fucked? Yeah. Yeah. How could you be insulted by someone wanting to do do things for you? I don't think it's insulted. I think it's, like... I Honestly, I think it's people... I think it's people who have, like, really low views of themselves Mm. and so they have this idea that if somebody sees them in a positive light that there's something wrong with that person damn you know that's so wild and then there's also just like the piece of it that's wanting to take advantage of somebody who's giving 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 and just being like taking that completely for granted and just being like yeah i deserve that and mm. not even being able to find like gratitude or respect for it or reciprocate it or reciprocate it and then also like yeah you've really opened a can of worms for me thank you for asking for my opinion on yeah. this. um it's a good it's a good thing to dive into especially when we're talking about the queen of pentacles this concept in relationships you know Okay, bear with me. Like, something about our culture more broadly is that we really devalue service. Oh my god, so true. Like, we devalue women who are oftentimes in service positions as raising children and being a service to them. Or, like, you know, the traditional role of a woman in, like, a 1950s household is being in service to her husband so her husband can go out and work and earn money. So we we really devalue women who we see as being in service to literally everyone. And we and we see that as like a lower status 
thing. And then the whole service industry is completely devalued. And we also see people who are doing a service for us as being completely in service of us. So we very much are like, you owe me everything because you're supposed to be in service of me. If I hired you, you don't have any self-respect. You don't have, you don't get to have your, like an opinion or a sense of self. Like I own you for this amount of time. And we treat service workers like shit because of it. Like there's this dominant idea that we have in our culture that if you are putting yourself in a position of being in service to somebody else, that you are subordinate. And I think that that might be a huge reason that somebody with Queen of Pentacles energy gets taken advantage of and treated shitty is because you look at somebody doing things for you and giving you things as your literal servant instead of somebody who is intelligent and loving and nurturing and giving and kind. Oh, yeah. And then, like, when the help starts to have opinions of their own, of course, (laughs) you're, like, that person's going to get mad at you. Yeah. Because they literally are seeing you as the help. Right. Oh, my God. So, not for nothing, but this is a great opportunity to talk about my ex, which is one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) Welcome to our podcast. (laughs) Because she gave me such formative life experiences and a lot of what I've learned does go back to her so it's not a negative thing but like literally when I listened to 1989 vault tracks for the first time and I heard that lyric I was like oh my god she put it into words the more I gave you'd want me less and I made it my business to be loved I made it my business to do whatever I could to provide for this human being who, like, just ended up resenting me for it. Yeah. And every day felt like the Queen of Pentacles reversed. Every day was laborious and fucking treacherous and difficult. And I was working so hard for no benefit because, you know, I was trying to get this person to, I don't know, have sex with me, show me affection, take me on a date, whatever. And the more I did for them the completely less interested she was. And at the end of the relationship, when we were breaking up, she revealed to me that she felt like she was always, like, working for me. So I don't know if that was, like, you know, I have to learn that you can't trust everything somebody says and not everything someone says about you is true. But hearing that was the shock of a lifetime because I'm like, bitch, you made me feel that way. Yeah. And I wasn't even going to end the relationship over that. I was willing to keep trying until you came around. Yeah. So now you're leaving me out of the blue because apparently I made you feel that way. It was very confusing. And I mean, I personally love acts of service. And that's a huge, huge way that I receive love, especially because I am someone who gets frozen by ADHD and other mental illness. Like if somebody can do something for me in that severe time of need where I've normally been shunned, shamed, made fun of, yeah. that's a great act of love. So personally, I I don't really think I did that to her, yeah. but you know, obviously maybe I did, maybe, you know, how you feel is how you feel. But yeah, like I felt like I would do her laundry, I would cook her dinner, I would take her on vacations and pay for it all by myself. 
like type of thing. And, and every time I did that, it was with the intent of like feeling her love. Yeah. And then she would just not show me love. Yeah. Until eventually it fizzled out. So that's interesting. And maybe that's why I don't believe that the Queen of Pentacles is my underutilized tool. Because yeah. I feel like I've overutilized it and gotten punished for it. Mm. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I think that that's really interesting. I think that... I guess I just think that maybe some of those behaviors of giving so much, wanting to receive love in return was more like Queen of Pentacles reverse of being Mm -hmm. like, maybe if I do all of these things for you, you'll love me. When, like, the truth is she should have just loved you for nothing. You're so right. You know? Yeah. And so, like, maybe more tapping into that Queen of Pentacles upright where it's like, I can give so much to myself and to other people, but never at the detriment of myself. Mm Because I, th- I think that the Queen of Pentacles upright ultimately does not give more than she has. Never. Yeah. Agree. O- okay. Agree. Right. So this is the thing. I need to learn that there can be a positive connotation to giving. Yeah. Like uh, right now, giving to someone in that way in my mind is associated with lack and disappointment yeah. and yeah. lack of reciprocation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, to speak to your point, the true Queen of Pentacles is giving it because she has it to give. Exactly. And she's not giving it at her own detriment. Mm -hmm. Which is something I struggle with so much too, because I'm so bad at knowing if I have anything to give or not. Yeah. In the moment, like my first instinct is to give every single thing that I have. My Mm -hmm. first instinct is I'm so sorry for even existing. Here's, a million dollars that I don't have in my bank account Mm -hmm. and the shirt off my back because in the moment I won't think that I'm giving more than I have in the moment it feels like oh my gosh you deserve everything of course I'd be happy to do that for you and then it's later that I check in and I'm like oh I hurt myself to do that Yes. And also in a lot of situations, maybe not so much romantic relationships as like familial relationships or maybe even friendships. People talk about acts of service as if it's like the bare minimum you could do when really it's actually like so much like. Mm. okay, like I'm going to use a touchy example. I just lost my grandfather and he was in the hospital for a couple weeks before he passed. And I felt, you know, not even my direct family, which I'm really thankful for, but like my mother was calling me up and being like, why aren't you spending all your time sitting at the hospital? Implying that I was a bad person for not skipping work to just sit in the hospital when like he wasn't even responsive. Yeah. And it's like, that would have killed me. Yeah. And he doesn't even know the difference. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again, that's an example of, like, people holding you to this standard of, like, oh, well, that's what you're supposed to do. That's the bare minimum. You got to show up when actually if you reevaluate and take all these old fucking family values off of it or, like, shit that we learned on TV off of it, the reality is that's not feasible. Who's going to work to pay the bills if they're in the hospital with their 
you know, dying family member 24-7. How are you going to recover from that? Yeah. How, like, there's no financial support for grieving. Like, yeah. there... I mean... <laughs> Like, jobs with benefits technically do have that. Well, but... I've never had one of those. <laughs> Whatever. So, right. Yeah. There should be that. Yeah. But, right, there's not. Yeah. For a lot of us. Anyway, yeah, like, that's a lot to give. And, like, there's something to be said about acts of service you're giving when you're, when you know you're kind of just, like, giving into a black hole. Yeah. Like, if I know that... I'm going to do this act of giving, but it's just going to be taken by, like, an energy vampire. It's that much more exhausting. No, yeah. You you should be able to give with intention. You should be able to make that decision for yourself mm-hmm. and have it be valued for what it is. But something that I also think is really interesting that's been, like, clicking for me lately is that people have wildly different ideas about what is – the bare minimum and like that normal expected like in this situation this is what you should do that's what i was trying to get thing yeah which is like it's just very frustrating because people will come at it from such different perspectives and be like i can't believe you didn't like do this because this is what people are supposed to do and i'm like okay well like that's, like, not part of what I ever thought I was supposed to do in this situation. Or that and it's not in your threshold. Yeah, so I a have variety a... variety of reasons. Like, I have a very different perception of what is, like, normal and expected and appropriate. And what the fuck? <laughs> Frankly. Right. right. And nurturing and care looks really different from person to person. And even if... You are receiving love from somebody who doesn't show it the same way as you do. Mm. If you care about that person, like, yes, needs being met is important and whatnot. But if you really care about that person, you have to do the work to appreciate what, from their perspective, is the best thing to do. Yeah. And that's that's the thing of it, too. Like, I know that my grandpa wouldn't have wanted me to sit there for 24 hours a day well, not sleeping. Thing, and I think, like, it's... It, it, it would have been for your mom. It wouldn't have been for him. And, like, guess yeah. what? You don't fucking owe her that for shit. I don't. And, by the way, this is not my maternal grandfather yeah. either. She just has unhinged opinions about every single thing I do. Yeah. So why the fuck would I listen to you, bitch? Bye. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, yeah. Absolutely. And, like, I don't know. In my current relationship, this is something I'm constantly, like, learning, unlearning, practicing, getting the chance to try out. Because, like... For example, so, like, when a past partner would ask me, well, I think part of it is she wouldn't ask. She would text me and say something to the effect of, like, I need you to pick up this for me at this store. I wouldn't have dared to say no. Wouldn't have dared. But now, when Britt and I ask each other for favors, it's safe to say no. Mm. Because she doesn't want me to do it unless, no matter how bad she needs that done, she only wants me to do it if I have enough energy to spend on it. Right. Versus, like, my prior partner just needed it done. Yeah. They would rather have it done at my detriment than their own. But now with Brit, it's, like, safe to say no. And it's, yeah. like, and she can say no to me. And I I can understand that that's not 
her not loving me because she didn't do that act of service. I can actually understand that in that moment, she didn't have that energy. And maybe that means she's going to show me love in a different way. And I'm sure that 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 makes you feel like a lot better and a lot safer about giving things to her that I'm capable. Right. And like doing things for her because you know that it's going to be appreciated for what it is instead of just expected and undermined and taken yeah Mm -hmm. shall we imagery yeah so traditional rider weight it's simple it's straightforward we've got the queen on her throne she's looking down at the pentacle which she is holding rested in her lap we have yellow skies we have a wreath a wreath question mark like a what am i trying to say what are you trying to say a spray of flowers. Oh. An arbor, perhaps. Perhaps. Lots of, like, lush plants around her feet, mountains or rivers in the distance. Um. So, yeah, it's giving abundance. It's giving safety. It's giving self-assuredness. So that's, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. There, you know, she has a crown on. She has a red robe and a green veil on. There's no really significant animals or anything interesting going on here there's a rabbit a red rabbit that is in the bottom right corner and there's always a lot of it kind of blends in so it's hard to see i didn't notice him i thought that was just the ground i know well because the (laughs) ground is kind of red too yeah i see the little guy now but said to represent fertility very often fucking like bunnies yeah and rabbits are really good luck too i have a little bunny that follows me and he's my like good omen oh love that like sometimes i just see him at my front door and i'm like hey that's your good luck bunny yeah yeah and then you know other notable things about the imagery certainly all of the like lush plants yeah it's giving that pentacles energy that earth energy the queen of pentacles archetype if this is somebody you meet they might be very good with plants they might be a plant mom they might be very good at growing things because that is associated with this mastery or immersion in the physical world that you get with the queen of pentacles and another parallel that was drawn in one of my books is that she's wearing this red robe And the magician is wearing a red robe. This is true. In that card as well. So it's like, again, these very similar figures. Um, But she is sitting and she's looking like so lovingly at this Mm. pentacle that she holds. And uh, a quote that I pulled from Tarot, History, Symbolism, and Divination by Robert M. Place is about kind of that imagery of the way that she's looking at the pentacle. And he says... The queen looks at herself as the caretaker of her possessions instead of their owner. Mm. And I love that so much. And I think that that does a lot to encapsulate the difference between the magician and the queen of pentacles as well. Because it's not about 
creating what you whatever you want and having this domination over the physical world. It's about really being part of it. It's about being one with it and what you're able to do when you are so in flow with material reality yeah. that you just understand it so well. You respect it so much, like how much you're able to accomplish through that. Goals. Truly. I want to be her. I I we're doing it. Would sell my right titty to be her. Maybe not. I'd sell both. That's not fair. I, I know. I just, <laughs> just want to do that anyway. I'd sell both just because. <laughs> I'd actually pay you. <laughs> Should we just transfer? Switch? Tits? You want to switch tits? Yeah. Do you really think that mine are smaller than yours? Yes. But I'm bigger than you as a person. <laughs> Not me isolating my titty. I'm well, bigger good. than you as a person. So? So, like, proportionally, you might feel like my tits are smaller. But practically, I think that they might be the same size. But if you just removed them from your body... Oh, no, you're saying they are the actual same size. Yeah. Potentially. Like, she's pretty big. I just feel like mine are... I don't think of you as someone with big boobs. I don't know if that's a slur or a compliment. No, I just think that you would be incorrect. And I think that one of the reasons that you don't think of me as someone with big boobs is because I don't wear real bras. And I don't wear real bras or revealing things ever. And people always talk about me as the bitch with big boobs. Like, my titties are always, like, in my armpits. Same. So, like... That's fair. Anyway. <laughs> What's wrong with us? <laughs> Anything. <laughs> I don't really have any other interesting images. Okay. Like, I brought the one from my golden age of horror tarot deck by Bobby's Tarot Decks on Etsy, because I love it. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's just, it says Queen of Pentacles, and then there's, like, a Grim Reaper guy, like, spooking a blonde woman with really nice tits, as a matter of fact. Speaking of. <laughs> And there's like a fortune teller in the corner and he's gazing into a crystal ball and there's a skull in the crystal ball. Hi, look. Oh, she does have really nice <laughs> Interesting. It's like not what I would have picked for Queen no, of Pentacles. No, it doesn't really give me Queen of Pentacles energy. It's giving like more damsel in distress. Yeah. And then it says on top, tales of fantasy and suspense, which I do think that sometimes the journey to being the Queen of Pentacles is full of suspense. And fantasy. And fantasy. <laughs> That's it for me, though. Tell me about yours. Um, Like, all of mine are very... You get the classic <laughs> Queen of Pentacles imagery. You get yeah. lots of plants, lots of flowers. You know, she is that like mother nature archetype in a lot of ways. So I have a lot of that imagery. I have from the wild unknown tarot in that tarot, instead of the page, knight, queen, and king, it's the daughter, son, mother, and father. So I have the mother of pentacles here in front of me and each suit court is represented by a different animal and the pentacles court is represented by deer. So it's a mama deer and she has a little baby deer curled up next to her, which mm. is super cute. What I like about the deer representing the pentacles is that I think it represents like, yes, very, very in tune. Like you think of deer as being very like, 
you know, they hear things from really far away and they always are like super aware of their surroundings. So they have that like in tune with nature vibe going, but they're also like really smart. And and I like the way that deer representing pentacles brings that intelligence piece to it because I don't think that always gets brought in. But the queen mm-hmm. of pentacles is like really smart, really strategic, like really knows what the fuck she's doing. So I like that. Yeah. And then, I mean, these are like just some gorgeous representations of the queen. I might like do an Instagram post with all of them just because yeah. they're really beautiful. Yeah, you should. I I miss doing our little weekly posts of this is the card that our episode's about. We're going to be able to do it again. Guys, so exciting. <laughs> I know we're, this is our last week of recording before we're actually in a season, if yeah. that makes sense, since we've been pre-recording a bit. So, like, this is your third episode of the season, but for us, the season starts next week. Yeah. So we're very excited. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then, from my tattoo tarot ink and intuition, I always gush about the court cards from this deck, because they just give so much personality. She's and they, pretty. She's so gorgeous. They don't always, like... You know, the Rider Waite Smith, it's always like for the court, they're usually like sitting on a throne. Um, especially the Queen and Kings are always like sitting on a throne kind of energy. And then the knights are on a horse. The this tarot does none of that. It's always a portrait mm. from the tattoo tarot ink and intuition, which I, I really, really love. So you're getting this up close view of their face and their hair and like any like ornamental things that they have going on. And it always just gives me so much personality. And this is the deck. I say it every core episode, whatever, get over it. I just feel like I can look into their eyes and know them. And when I pull one of these court cards in a reading with a client, I just, I learn so much about the client by looking at this, the court card, if that makes sense. I would love some shit, some, some, some shit. I would love some shit. I would love a deck like that because even you picking up my rider weight and saying, oh, she's looking lovingly at the pinnacle. Like... I wasn't getting that. Bitch looks bored. I really like... Yeah. I'm showing Mel um, my... Pulp Girls. Pulp Girls Tarot. It's Rider weight, but a little bit more modern, but also, like, a little bit higher quality. Like, something that I find difficult about the actual Rider weight smith cards is that it's a digitization of a painting. Yeah. So they're kind of hard to see. Yeah. Like, that's why Mel didn't know that there was a rabbit in the card, because it's freaking hard to see. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's true, and yeah. I feel that I feel that whenever I read the Rider Waite Smith depic- description in, like, a book or something, I'm like, that was supposed to be a mountain? Right. Like, that doesn't look like it at all. And <laughs> you have a lot of highly analytical tarot books, and honestly, like, I just don't. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I haven't had these little things pointed out to me. It's either I right. know they're there or I don't. Right. Like, it's so funny. You have books that go into it, but you've never owned the actual deck. And yeah. And I've always owned the actual deck, but never really had books that go that deep. Into the imagery. Yeah. Because even... Into the imagery. Even... Right. 
Wait himself writing the descriptions oftentimes doesn't even mention these really important parts of Pamela Coleman Smith's paintings. Yeah, like it's just it's kind of such a trip to learn to learn the Rider Waite Smith tarot. But that's something that I really love about the Pulp Girls tarot is they incorporate all those Rider Waite Smith elements. But it's so much more clear to me when I'm looking at it what is there, and you can tell really easily by looking at this depiction that she's like gazing at this pentacle really lovingly and you can also see that there is indeed a rabbit in the corner oh yeah <laughs> love yeah Slay. <laughs> any other really notable one yeah i i don't think so i just and like i'm trying to think i don't want to like leave anything out about our girl the queen of pentacles but i really think that we hit it all i think we did the damn thing i feel really good about this episode actually it was just a really nice conversation and like mm-hmm. i don't know i'm enjoying this season a lot so far it's it's nice to not be in the trenches of like some of the saddest cards yeah it's a nice switch up that's so true but and honestly i will say i love the way that this conversation went too when mal walked in this morning i was like in a mood and full disclosure I've kind of been going through it for the past couple of weeks so I was a little not excited to talk about the queen of pentacles which I do see as such a positive card and don't feel positive on the inside at all so I love that we were able to have like a like a little bit of an honest conversation about our struggles with embodying the queen of pentacles energy and how we incorporate pieces of it into our lives but also how this like wonderful positive energy eludes us because that's real and that's the truth man yeah hell yeah love it love it so much thank you guys for tuning in thank you always and If you're listening to this when it comes out, I am doing a live workshop, the first of this season for Arcane Dames. Yes. And it is all about tarot and the shadow self. Wonderful. I am teaching in person in Salem on November 11th, which in real time hasn't happened yet. But when you're listening to this, I will have already taught it and I will be sharing that exact class with arcane names patreon members that's so so awesome yeah that's like you guys are lucky ducks (laughs) (laughs) so if you can't and you didn't travel out to salem you can join our patreon and get the same treatment that is so wonderful i'm really excited about that me too see you next tuesday cunts (laughs) (laughs) bye guys see you next tuesday (laughs) thanks for listening To keep up with the Arcane Dames, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, or consider joining our Patreon. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.